The Acrest Podcast, Funds Industry Conversations. Hello and welcome to the Equest Podcast with me, Danny Lawler. If you're new to the Equest Podcast, please do hit the subscribe button. And if you like what you hear, don't be afraid to hit that thumbs up and share it with your pals as well. Now, for those immersed in the financial services industry, you may or may not know of a very uh, important operational change that's coming around at the end of May next year, 2024. And that's in the US, the settlement cycle is going to change from trade date plus two, which is T plus two, to trade date plus one or T plus one. That's quite an important change and going to be very impactful on anyone involved, particularly in the US financial services industry, but even over here, if you're involved in trading of securities in the US or in US dollars. So I thought it would be quite a technical and important topic to cover in a podcast. I needed somebody to guest with me who could bring all of that to life in an interesting and engaging manner. And with that challenge in mind, there's only one guy for the job, and that's Adrian Whelan at BBH. Now, when I eventually got Adrian to kind of shut up for a moment after an hour of chatting and turn on the recording equipment, we did manage to capture this podcast where we chat about why the US is moving from T plus two to T plus one, what that is going to mean in terms of operational change and project management, and then into the future, how that's going to look for financial services firms, and a little bit about what that might mean for funds, for example, in Ireland. So with all of that ground to cover, and Adrian finally hooked up to the mic, we crack on with the podcast. The Acrest Podcast, Funds Industry Conversations. Adrian, you're very welcome to the Quest Podcast. Great to have you back on the show. Great to see you. It's been, been a while. It's been a little while. And of course, the world has changed in the meantime. But you, you popped into my mind. An email arrived in to the inbox, and it had one of the articles you wrote on it. It was called UST Plus One, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And I thought that was a cool name. So first question is, did you come up with it yourself, or have you got help? With the name? No, it's... Um it's a film uh, or a movie, as the Americans would call it, that won an Oscar. Recently. Yeah, yeah. So it's well kind of kind of like a sci-fi, and I just thought it was a cool title. And I'll jump straight into it. So UST plus one for anyone who doesn't know is that the US trade settlement cycle. So T means trade date, and plus one means uh, a day later. It's currently T plus two. And why I said everything, everywhere, all at once is that you may or may not know that the US is a kind of big market. I've heard. Yeah, it has securities and it has a currency called a dollar. So it is traded everywhere, almost by everyone, particularly in our industry. And this change is happening May 28th next, next year. So a year and yeah. was it nine days as we Not speak. far away, yeah. So it's one of the things that I book it in the boring, but really important. And I don't know both in Ireland, where we're sitting now, or generally, if there's enough awareness of how big a deal this is. I think you do know there isn't, because it's not something that I think gets an awful lot of press. It's over the other side of the ocean, so maybe it feels like it doesn't impact us. But let's start with, so we, we talk about currently settlement is T plus two. It's going to shift to T plus one in about a year's time. What's the motivation for the US making that change? The, the motivate actually the genesis of this is actually pretty cool. So it kind of harks back to many people would be aware of the GameStop. We call it event. Yep. Or debacle, depending on on which. Well, side you better recast what it is yeah. in case somebody hasn't heard of it. So one of the one of the things that happened actually at the COVID lockdown times, and one of the great news stories was that there was a GameStop 
which is basically a computer hard, you know, buying your DVD discs for your Playstations and stuff. Like the HMV that we would know and love, where you used to go and buy your CD or even your cassette tape, if you're as old as you are, or your poster. So a physical shop that had kind of gone out of fashion. And GameStop, you, even intuitively, you would think, that's not going to be a great investment. Everything's done online now. You can download straight CTV, to your... Yeah. yeah. So that's how it's done. But what happened was Wall Street Bets is a, basically, a, again, a blog or a, a blogging site where retail investors in the US chat about investments. And what they said, and I don't, I'm going to, long story short, there was someone with a big long, uh, short position on this and that, that kind of common knowledge. And what this cohort of retail investors said, you know what we're going to do regardless? We're going to buy up GameStop. We're going to yeah. drive the price up to damage these short sellers. You know, it was, it was a political movement of the small investor against the large hedge fund. But the long and the short of it is that Geez, that was a good little, uh, I didn't even mean that one. The long and the short of that was that the GameStop meant a lot of retail investors bought into GameStop. Then they wanted to get out. There was a bit of a debacle with Robin Hood, a trading system there and stuff. Trading got so large that they had to stop trades. Then there was, again, a social media outcry, why weren't we able to sell and buy and retail investors have been... So it ultimately came congressional hearings... Gary Gensler, who's the chair of the SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission in the US, it became really high profile. And one of the sub sub takeaways from the congressional hearings was that the, that America would look at its settlement cycle. That T plus two, if a retail investor sold yeah. their stock, they'd want to have their cash quicker than in two days. And ultimately, that's what shifted. So a kind of fairly provocative idiosyncratic event yeah so not the, not prevalent not the kind not, of thing that happens every day of the week not something that happens every day and actually just a small corner of the market but yeah. because in the social media world we live in now this idiosyncratic event of what i call we call them the crypto bros and the, and the day traders they were impacted and, 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 and there's other boring stuff behind that but maybe you do need to get your money back quicker and then a lot of crypto feedback as well that it should be instantaneous or autonomous. Yes. Sense. You should be in this day and age able to, I give you your share and you give me the money and it happens just yeah. like that. It's not that simple when you actually move into my world, which is global custody of large bulk trading in millions and trillions every day. It's not quite that simple. But that's the genesis of the story. And then I go back to my, my first point. Because the US securities market is so vast and because dollars are so important, T plus one actually impacts everybody that trades to make. So it it's simple. not just in the US that this is exactly. Going to and you impact. you put so it's called US T plus one. So obviously important. But if you look at who invests in the US stock market, it's global. Absolutely. So it, it, it's a global issue. Then you look at the prevalence of the US dollar in FX markets, for example. Everything's against the dollar. So the processes around anything against US dollar have to change. And then you look at T plus one, so T plus one, that seems a bit, well, that's a custodian issue. No, it goes from pre-funding a trade for anyone, having the money ready to go where it's gonna be deployed, and your operational process, obviously, because we're, we're constraining timelines, everything gets constrained and shorter. And actually, you have less time the further away from the epicenter you are. Where's the epicenter? New York Stock Exchange. Yeah. So the further you are away, from New York, Eastern Standard Time, trading, you now have less time to trade 
buys and sells in anything in US dollar. And that's significant. So if you were in Asia, for example, your time difference and your time zones are really going to squeeze things because the actual available business hours are going to be quite a bit shorter. Correct. And global trading, and you hear different things, is quite efficient, right? But sometimes they're what we call trade edits. So sometimes you'll place a trade electronically or whatever, over a phone, whatever. And there might be one part of that that's actually just got transmitted incorrectly. Yeah. T plus two at the moment, and then T plus one, gives you a little bit of time, if you notice, to actually fix that, if that makes sense. Okay. If you are instantaneous trading and you make a mistake, there's no way to take it back. So that's why, at times, advocates of blockchain and instantaneous settlement, that's not how it works. It's actually good to have some pause for thought in case you have to change an element of the trade. Not change your mind, but there might have been a factual inaccuracy in the trade. And now you have less time. So if you're trading in Asia, actually, you're hugely constrained if there's an edit or a, something else has to happen. There's another thing in the US market called affirmations, which you just have to reaffirm your trade. That takes time because you could have multiple brokers that you need to affirm your trades with. That's an important part. It's like a pre-approval of the trade before it settles. Yes. Um, and I don't want to get too technical and I know your face is kind of scrunching up, so I don't want to stop. But what I'm saying is, it is automated, largely, but there are parts where there's interventions. And under T plus two, you kind of have plenty of time. Under T plus one, you uh, naturally you just don't have you as, don't. M- as much time. And in terms then of what would need to change between now and effectively a year's time so that firms and, and uh, market participants can cope with T plus one, it sounds like it's a lot. Yeah, it is. And again, I I go back to it's a buy side and a a sell side, right? So it is everyone. And even if you're an individual investor listening to this um, and you're trading the US, it's important. I'll be very very high level. Um, So education, we started with that. Do you actually know what this means for your portfolio, for your firm, for your operations? You have to look at your current trading practice around the US, which is all your procedures and protocols and behaviors will be about T plus two. What does it mean now you've a day less? So whether wherever you are in the globe, mm. if you're trading US securities, you've less time. You're gonna to have to look at your procedures currently and how they apply with less time. You're gonna to have to increase automation for sure, because of what I said, you've less time and if you need to you need automation reduces mistakes or uncertainty. So again, with less time, it's better to move to automation. Still, there's a lot of manual processes in some trading practices. And you need to look at things like your FX. Are your securities lending? If you're dealing funds, the, the subscription redemption uh, life cycle need to change. It depends how exposed you are to the US, but you really need to educate yourself on what this means. And my last point in that is we're doing interesting experiments. I won't call them experiments, but we're looking at the current trading activity of our clients under T plus one. And then we're looking, what would it look like in a T plus one situation in terms of cutoffs, brokers, efficiencies, failed trades, settlement rates. And it's very interesting. There's hard dollar impacts on buy-ins and miss-settlements that people are affected by. So you can kind of see what your current trading book looks like under T plus one already. And at times, because of inefficiencies and, and time delays, you're going to be actually hitting the pocket. And so I guess if we think about it from a funds industry perspective, mm-hmm. it may be that if you have an investment fund that's going to, that is invested in US securities, 
the time that they're going to require their investors to settle for an investment into the fund might need to reduce or else if it if it continues to be what it is at the moment and that money comes in a bit later that money's going to stay out of the market a bit longer is it and then you could end up with a performance drag and if you were an index tracking fund that's not great absolutely correct absolutely correct and then if you've a shared uh, head share class against the usd redemptions uh, for overdrafts you have to look at your entire as i said your pre-funding funding and distribution you need to look at every element of usd activity and see that this new timeline is materially impacting your fund and that you need to change or no we've looked at it and yeah. actually we can we can live with this under t plus one so for example if you're a usage you might need now an overdraft facility that you didn't need in the past or you might be going out to re- revise your your dealing procedures and that's at least some sort of engagement with your investors and a prospectus update and a notification yeah. and engage with your regulator <laughs> and all of those fun things. Conce- conceivably, yes. Yeah. And, and again, I go back to without without trying to scare people, it depends how exposed you are to the, to yes, the US. Yes, and whether it's sufficiently... And whether it's sufficiently and materially impacts. But what you can do, and I'll repeat myself, you can, number one, look at what your existing process is and then try and imagine it or either replicate it under T plus one. Yeah, and so then when you think about... The steps to understand the impact, understand the changes required, plan and make the changes required. Importantly, test, I guess, that this is going to work and you're not going to fall over yep. the 28th of May next year. That seems a lot of ground to cover between now and this time next year. Yeah, so and I'll kind of bridge off to, like, there's, there's a lot of hope and expectation because the, the regulators, again, are the regulators. They set a hard date, May 28th uh, next year. Ideally, we'd have a lot more time. Yeah, And I don't think they understood the scale of this. And I think there's been industry submissions, but a lot of people are hoping for a delay. I don't expect any delay. So you're, you're spot on. Yeah, I don't think even if the industry at large is unprepared, I don't think there it's a movable feast. I go back to the genesis of this was highly political, highly well-known. Um, so you're going to have to get your skates on. And what you need to do is look at operational efficiency. So are we working with too many brokers on our US trade? Do we need to constrain that? Is our process automated? Is it too fragmented in terms of global? There's too many parts of the chain. Do we need to outsource parts of that? Are there other uh, people who can help us with that? These are all conversations we're having with people who are attentive to this. But I go back to your starting point. I think I'd agree with you. I don't think there is enough awareness of this. And in the US, is this all people are talking about? It's a big deal there because it's not so much here so the it's not so much here and again that's because we're a little bit once removed no it's not all they're talking about but it is it it is it is a huge debate at the moment actually what people are talking about is that the sec was a quite benign organization in terms of regulatory issuances we're Mm. kind of used to it central bank of ireland and, and and cssf and esma you get this stuff regularly the sec was never as active as it is now and it's putting out a lot of different things. This is one of many things. They've actually, there's another part of, of custody world that's getting impacted. The actual US custody rule has been changed and is quite, it has extraterritorial effects. So we can go back to that another day. But what I'm saying is that the SEC are looking at crypto and digital uh, assets. They're looking at a lot of things that Europeanization of, of US regulation, uh, they're looking at investor disclosure documents, they're looking at ESG, they're looking at fund names, a lot of things that you'd be nodding your head saying, Oh, right, that's things we've looked at in Europe. So they're as active as they've ever been. 
Uh, there's a bit of complaint from industry that there's not enough time to turn around comments, which is interesting because they really have their foot to the to, on the gas, as, as they'd say in America. The SEC activity is really, really busy at the moment. This is one of many things. Yeah. And it goes back to that awareness point. Uh, is there enough awareness of UST plus one in totality? I'd suggest awareness is growing. But then you look at the timeline with one year to do a lot if we have to change a lot. Yeah. So it's not not a lot of time. And I guess it's assuming that there won't be a delay, which it sounds like there won't. It, you really, really got to get planning and actioning now. You have to plan for the worst, which is no delay. Yeah. And hope for the best. Maybe we can advocate for delay. But I don't think uh, hope is a, a good strategy. I think you need to plan that this is happening May 28th next year. Uh, I want to wrap up by saying and asking you about a concept that's that's also part of this proposal of T plus zero, which is, sorry, T plus one, which is the possibility of a T plus zero. Is that a realistic possibility or is that very, very far in the future? Can I, can I answer my own question first? So I think another question, I will answer your question, but... UST plus one is kind of easy because it's single currency, single market. It just happens to be a big market. Canada's going to move T plus one the same day. The UK are looking now to say, should we align our settlement system, which is T plus two to T plus one? That's tricky. Europe have looked, and we have a more fragmented multi-CSD, multi-regional, multi-currency model. It would be extremely difficult, actually, to move Europe to from... You are from T plus one, or T plus two to T plus one. I'm getting confused now. So Europe is very difficult. Then you have this kind of technical um, question. It's an academic question more so. Should we have instantaneous or T zero? We probably could, but is it worth it? Is it worth it? It probably isn't to reframe, to get the benefits of T zero and weigh them against what it would mean to get there. Yeah. Through blockchain or otherwise, okay. In my view, it's not worth it. And it would be the industry view that that's actually not worth it. And I go back to the, um, you have to be perfect. So if there were mistakes or whatever, you're, yeah. you're stuck for buy-ins, you're stuck for, well, I didn't mean that. Well, there's no time to fix it. It's instantaneous. Sorry about that. There's a lot of downside to T0. So is it academically and is it technically feasible? I would say yes. Under the current, current construct and everything we've got on our plate, is it worth it? I would say no. Oh, good answer. Good answer. No, <laughs> not, but, not like me. <laughs> a, long an, a long answer, which is like you. Well, that is like you. But certainly there are, you know, as you, you look across the possibilities of what things like blockchain and technology can do, and it can open up the world. But then, but then you measure that against the cost and the time and effort yeah. versus, well, is T0 that much better than T plus one? Yeah. Maybe it's better, but not enough better to be worth the effort at so, this yeah. stage. Because people may or may not know, like on various securities, we have the ability and technical feasibility to settle early anyway, including on T, right? so T zero. And we do T plus one settlements as required sometimes on US securities. So I, I don't want to get to, uh, you're glazing over, but we already have technical ability to do certain things. We, the royal we, we actually know what we're doing. So it's actually preferable to have T plus one and it's more efficient conceivably and it's better for investors and less costly, et cetera, et cetera, than T zero. Those that advocate with T zero have a different way and they have a commercial, let's be honest, um, rationale for us wanting to move trading onto their way of doing it rather than the existing. And I get that. I'm not criticizing that. I'm saying the jump and leap over there would come with risks, costs and inefficiencies that at this moment in time, 
let's just get UST plus one done right. by May. Next let's cross this bridge, for, bridge first. Let's, let's do that. Well, at that, with that even, uh, Adrian, we're going to wrap up there. Thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. We're going to watch with great interest as to how this plays out and how ready the world is for 28th of May next year and, and uh, uh, assuming it, uh, it all proceeds as planned. So no, thank you very much for having me. And I'm, I'm happy to help anybody who wants to, to prepare for a UST plus one. The Equest Podcast, Funds Industry Conversations.